Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to be talking about important habits to keep at work, at the office, uh, how you're you're interacting with your colleagues, how you're behaving in the office, some some different tips on, on ways to stay out of trouble. All right, so the first one is be respectful of people's time. We all work with those folks or know those folks in our lives who are totally and completely incapable of recognizing that our time is important and our time is valuable, right? So you may be working with somebody and your meeting runs long or you are caught up on a deadline and you're just not getting to a meeting you're supposed to be going to on time. Send a message, send an email, drop a phone call, whatever you need to do. Recognize the fact that if you have meetings with supervisors or coworkers or clients or subordinates, whoever they may be, you want to be respectful of their time. They're taking time out of their schedule to meet with you. You're taking time out of your schedule and you would hope that they would do the same for you. Therefore, be mindful. If you set the amount of time for the meeting to be an hour, try to keep it within that hour. If you have to run long, say, hey, you know, do you have extra time to go long? We're taking a little bit more time, but I want to be respectful of your schedule. It just demonstrates that you're aware that other people's time is valuable as well as your time. And hopefully, like I said, that will be reciprocated, but it demonstrates a level of respect that I think really translates to people that, hey, I I recognize that you are taking time to meet with me and discuss whatever it may be. I'm going to be respectful of your time. The next is avoid gossip. I'm sure we've all walked into the break room at some point in time or down the hall and heard somebody talking about somebody else. It could be something about personal issues. It could be professional issues. It could be something about what they're wearing, what they look like, what they're doing, what their attitude is. Regardless of what it is, it's super, super easy to get sucked into that kind of workplace nonsense. It really is. I'm not going to lie. I've gotten sucked into it over the years. It's very easy to do. But recognize that those folks that you are working with or interacting with, There's always two sides to every story. Sometimes there's three sides and four sides. Who knows what's going on and what's the the impetus behind whatever the gossip that's coming about. And give folks the benefit of the doubt, even if it's just to stay neutral on the topic or walk away or just not engage with whatever's going on. You never know in the future when the subject of that gossip or the starter of that gossip is going to come into your circle or be interacting in what it is that you're doing. And the last thing you want is to demonstrate that you're the type of person that either supports, encourages, or eggs that kind of behavior on because you never know when it'll come back and bite you in the butt right? You don't know if that person may eventually become your boss and know this is a sneaky person because they have no problem talking about other people behind their backs. This is a, a mean person because they laughed when other people made fun of other people. Whatever, 
whatever the gossip is about or the drama is about, work is supposed to be a professional environment. And just because other people are not treating it so, try to remind yourself that act a little bit above it. You know, raise yourself to a different standard and try to avoid that kind of drama because I can't give you one single instance when being a part of gossip resulted in anything good. It just doesn't. It didn't in school. It didn't when you were a kid. It doesn't in your social lives. Gossiping and talking about people behind their backs, even if it's for good, often ends up with hurt feelings or changes in trust Uh, disloyalty, nothing positive. So as much as you can, try to avoid the gossip. You really want to be focused on being professional and moving your career forward. And as I mentioned, you never know when that can come back and bite you. And you may regret it. It may impact your career negatively. And why set yourself up for failure in that way when you really can just simply walk away? Follow the rules. This sounds really basic and simple, I get that, but most workplaces have some kind of rule structure. They may have a dress code, they may have your office decor, they may have core hours you have to observe, they may have set lunch hours. There's a whole variety of of general rules which are often published and others that are unspoken. And as much as you can, try to follow those rules. Be a good citizen of the office. Put your trash out when you're supposed to. Help clean up in the in the break room after you're done making your lunch. Refill the, the water cooler or whatever it is that, that you might be involved in. And try to just be a good part of the overall team. Again, this kind of goes along with just being respectful of people. You are working with folks every day, all day. You see them all the time. And no matter who has what role, you want to be respectful of how that fits into the larger group. If you're always in the break room making a mess, whomever it is that's responsible for cleaning that up after you, that's really going to cause some tension there. Not to mention that it's disrespectful of them. There's no reason why you can't pick up after yourself there's a dress code, stick to the dress code. Obviously, we all have personal preferences and ways we can act our own way and maybe demonstrate our own personal brand. You can certainly live it to the fullest, but try to stick as close to the established guidelines and rules of the office if you absolutely can. If you cannot, Perhaps talk to whomever it is that set the rules. Talk to your supervisor. Talk to the office manager. Whoever is responsible for making sure that everybody in the in the organization is aware of the rules, maybe talk to them and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this rule, and these are the reasons why, and here's my recommendation or my suggestion on how we can make some minor adjustments to make it a little bit more flexible for everybody. Propose it. I would recommend that you offer a solution or a recommended change rather than just going and complaining, right? We want to be problem solvers, not problem creators. So you might as well go armed with a suggestion that could alleviate them of their their need to now try and figure out how to make you happy. The upside of that is that you will have basically suggested what it is that you want. So if they go with your suggestion, then you're going to get even more of what you want rather than leave it up to them to make another change that you might be even more upset with or just equally unhappy with. Keep your workspace neat. 
I've heard stories and I've worked with folks over the years who are just absolute disaster when it comes to their workspace. It could be a cubicle, it could be a shared work table, it can be your whole office. I'm sure you all probably have one example of somebody that you currently work with whose workspace is a complete disaster. Now I understand everybody works a little bit different. You may need to have piles of papers and and be messy and untidy. I get that. I can see, you know, maybe you neaten up the piles of paper at the end of the day. And for that, if that's what makes you most productive and that's the way you work, that's fine. I'm more talking about taking out your trash, throwing away old food items, not leaving things to grow into random science projects around your desk, not throwing things on the floor, things that other co-workers are going to be uncomfortable or is going to impact their productivity because they have to smell whatever's growing in your drawer or they have to constantly pick up stuff to get around your desk to get to and from the ladies or men's room or to and from the break room, right? Try to be respectful of your space and how it affects others. Along with this, if you're sick, stay home. For me, this is a very big issue, and I'll tell you why. I never call in sick. I never called in sick. For years and years and years, I would go to work with, I did go to work with pneumonia twice. Went to work, dragged my butt in, was doing my work, and my productivity was definitely suffering. The products that I was putting out, I'm sure, were garbage, and I have no idea how many people I got sick along the way, all those times I had a cold or a flu or a sore throat or whatever I went to work doing because I felt that I had to be there. I couldn't call in sick. It doesn't matter that I get sick time. I have to go to work. I have to go to work. I don't want to be a slacker. I have to go to work. And as I got older, I began to realize that I would get really frustrated when people came to work because I'd be stressed that I was gonna catch whatever it is they had. And quite bluntly, I had someone in my life who said, well, how dare you complain about that? You go to work sick all the time. How many people have you infected over the years? And I thought, wow, it never even occurred to me. It never even occurred to me that, that how hypocritical of me to be complaining about these people that were going to infect me. Meanwhile, I have been doing this for years. It didn't make it easier for me to call in sick, and I'll be honest, it still stresses me out to this day if I'm not feeling well and I can't do my work for the day because I I have that internal concern that I'm slacking off and I should be pushing through. Granted, now I work out of my house, so the only person I'm going to infect is the dog during the day, but the point is, even as, as... As I got older and I started being a little bit more liberal with my taking of sick time, it was still a struggle. But I did find that my colds were shorter or my flus were shorter or whatever was going on with me health-wise definitely lasted a much shorter time. And and whatever product I was creating or the work I was doing didn't suffer because I wasn't doing it while ill. And there's no reason why, to a certain extent, you can't do some work from home if you, if you just need to remain engaged. 
A lot of times I would take a conference call here or there, take a meeting over the phone or on the computer so that I could still keep up on work. I recognize, and, and for me, a lot of times that's what it was, is anytime you take time off, even for vacation or for being sick, it just feels like it takes so much longer to dig out and you get so far behind, decisions get made, things go on, and you come back and you may be feeling better from whatever was ailing you, but now you've got all these headaches to try and clean up the mess of being out. Being in... Being ill is never convenient. It never is, but it's really important to stop and take the time to get yourself well and then go back and go at it with a clear mind, right? When you have a fever, you're not feeling well. I know for a fact this happened to me. I made some mistakes at work because you're just not paying attention. And it's not because you don't want to be paying attention. It's just there's so much else going on. There are people that I've worked with over the years, and that was a very hard boundary for them. I'm sick. I'm not coming to work. And early on, I thought that was very admirable, but gosh, they're sick all the time. Why don't they come to work, right? But as I got older and I recognized that you get sick time, companies give you sick time, use your sick time. Look for opportunities to present ideas. And what I mean by this one is that there are all kinds of ways that we can make ourselves stand out in the normal day-to-day if we look for them. And so easy, it's hard to think of these things in the box, out of the box. We get so ingrained in what our day-to-day is and, and handling our regular jobs that we forget to look for the opportunities that are presented right in front of us every day. If you're in a meeting and you have a, an idea about what's going on and it's appropriate to do so, raise your hand, interject, offer up a suggestion. If it's not appropriate in that setting, perhaps after the meeting, you talk to the person who held the meeting or you talk to a supervisor or a coworker, present those ideas, present those recommendations. If you're having a meeting with your boss and you've been thinking about different things that could go on differently in the office or a different project or a different client or a different proposal. When you go to meet with your boss about whatever it is you're regularly meeting with, bring that extra recommendation and say, hey, before we break, could I just have two more minutes of your time? I had this idea. So look for these opportunities in your day-to-day to just kind of offer up these other suggestions, these other ideas that you might have. It's really frustrating, I think, to me to come home and think, oh, I had all these great ideas. I wish I would have offered them up. And again, it's easy to get bogged down and it's also easy to feel not confident in your ideas and afraid to offer them up because someone might think they're stupid or someone might think, oh, what is she doing? She's way outside her lane here. That's not her job. Why is she trying to tell us this? I get it. Be respectful in how you present it, be humble, but be open to offering these suggestions. The worst that can happen is someone says it. You know what, Kelly, that's not really in your lane. You don't understand the bigger picture. Perhaps you should stay in your lane. I get it. Not a great response. Not really something I want to hear, but at the same time, at least you know, They're not open to that area. So when I think of other ideas, perhaps I'm going to think in a different lane because clearly either that person is not open to outside input or 
I may have mar- strayed outside of my lane there. Perhaps I got a little too rambunctious and thinking that I could solve all of the problems of the workplace when maybe I should be sitting in my lane, right? So I don't think you should allow those corrections or those shutdowns to keep you from coming up with new ideas though, because you never know when you might come up with a great idea and you present it and someone says, you know what, that's an amazing idea. I can't believe we didn't think of that. Go and run with it and where that will lead. It could be one in a hundred of the things that you offer. But again, there's no sense in not trying to present opportunities, present ideas. In the long run, you will become a person that is recognized as someone that is thinking, is offering up ideas, is problem solving, rather than perhaps some of your other coworkers that are only naysayers and saying, well, this isn't working. Do you have an idea how to fix it? Well, no, but I know it's not working and I don't like it, or it's inconvenient, or it doesn't, it doesn't fit into our overall scheme or it doesn't work for our organization or any of those negative feedbacks that people are constantly giving, those are great areas to come up with ideas to present. If you are going to a staff meeting every week and someone keeps talking about how they can't get something to work in the office or they're having a problem with the travel input system or they don't like the way the the paper trail works on some other program that you're working, or maybe it's something about how everybody's parking and it's hard to get cars out, whatever it may be. It could be something totally random. But if you keep hearing that this is a problem, why not think on it for a little bit on your commute in or out of work? Think about it one day and think, is there some way that I have a really good idea to fix this? We all have really good ideas inside of us, and I think that so many times our fear of sounding dumb or being shut down keeps us from presenting those ideas out loud. And I, again, this is going to be a pie-in-the-sky statement here, but imagine all of the amazing things that would change if all of the people that actually had ideas felt comfortable enough to bring those forward and were even comfortable enough when people said, no, that won't work, to continue to keep thinking of other new ideas and continue to present them. Because eventually some of those ideas are going to catch on and they are going to work and they could make things better. Why not be one of those people that helps present those ideas? So the next couple have to do with email and uh, product development type um, habits. And the most important one I will tell you is the wait before sending. Has anyone ever had a frustrating conversation on the phone, read a really nasty email, talked to a coworker or a boss, and just couldn't wait to get on the email and bang out a response and hit send? And the minute you hit send, you think, perhaps I shouldn't have sent that. Perhaps I should have read that again before I sent it. Guilty. I've done it. I've done it more than once. I know lots of people that have done it more than once. And the the best thing I can tell you is no matter how angry you are at a situation, type it up. Do not put a name in the to box because you don't want to accidentally send it. Maybe draft your subject line and draft your email and just let it sit. Give it 10 minutes, give it 15 minutes. You can go online and pull up google.com timer and set a timer on your computer if you want for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. 
if you need something that formalized. But give yourself some time. Give yourself an hour. Give yourself a day. Whatever, you know, depending on how serious the situation, right? Or if you have to respond. But give yourself a few minutes to kind of dial back the adrenaline because instantly we go from it's you know the blue zone where you're calm to the red zone where you're you're really stressed and there's a physiological reaction that's taking place that is causing you to be really really frustrated or angry and your blood pressure's up and your temperature's up and all of these things now you've written this email and you're ready to tell this person exactly how you feel but perhaps in a few minutes after all of those those functions are calming down again and you're you're focused on something else perhaps you could send something a little bit more constructive perhaps you can diffuse the situation and keep it from escalating or save your reputation save your professional um, demeanor, all of those things. Think about it for a few minutes before you hit that send button. Then maybe go back and check the language. Check the wording. Check that you didn't use swear words. Swear words at the office, I have a lot of feelings about this. I think that depending on what type of industry you're in, it may or may not be appropriate I'll be honest, I have a little bit of a um, sailor's vocabulary when I get excited or frustrated. It's just me. I try really hard to make sure that I keep that in check in professional settings because it's not appropriate. That's not appropriate professional behavior. And they say that when you have to punch in with a swear word or something nasty, it's because you don't actually have anything constructive to say. And I, I think that that's true. You're just at a loss for words, so you use a bad word as filler. I think that there's a lot of validity to that. Ask me again when I'm angry or frustrated and I'm firing off those words, perhaps I might tell you something different. But constructively, I think that using foul language at the office should be kept to a minimum. I worked with a lot of law enforcement and military folks, a lot of guys, a lot of scientists, and there are a lot of instances where language is edgy, and there were a lot of times when the situations warranted that type of, of language, and it was acceptable, and, it, and it's fine. But when you're, in general, talking about office situations where you're talking with your superiors or your subordinates or your colleagues and mixed company, ladies and gentlemen, we all have different kinds of, of language that we're comfortable and uncomfortable with. You never know what folks' background is with, with foul language and, and where they're coming from. So I would say best practice would be try to keep it as respectful as possible unless it's been demonstrated that everybody is comfortable and, and, and that's just the environment in which you find yourself in. And perhaps you're not comfortable with that. And it's okay to say to somebody, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with some of the language that you use. I, I recognize that it, it's your way of communicating, but there are certain words that you use that I find very uncomfortable. So if you could maybe recognize that, and I, I would really appreciate maybe keeping those those phrases to a minimum when I'm around, if at all possible, right? You have the right to say that. It doesn't mean that they are or are not going to do it. Hopefully people will be respectful in return and they would, they would recognize that and, and go along with what you've asked. The next is follow up with emails. So if you have conversations or meetings, 
discussions with employees or your supervisor, it's always good practice to follow up with those in-person conversations or on the telephone conversations with an email. Documentation is a big thing. At least for me, I find it to be very, very important, sometimes just to keep your your mind straight on the progression of, of things that are going on. Maybe you're having a series of conversations with, with a team member and you want to document it because in a year or two, you may want to recreate that, that process or... Perhaps it's more contentious and you just want to have documented all of the things that have gone on to make sure you are covering your butt. You know, if HR calls or you need to call HR for them, whatever it may be. Sometimes it could just be to follow up to make sure that you're clear on what it is the expectations are on either side. You go to a meeting, you guys are dividing up some kind of task list or work order, whatever it is. You want to make sure that you document that you're clear that these are the activities I have actions on and these are the ones that you have actions on and this is the date that they're due. Just following up, want to make sure I I have all my details straight. There is nothing worse than running off and working on a bunch of stuff and then going to a follow-up meeting and finding out, oh, I didn't need to do all of that because they were doing this too. And now we've duplicated efforts. Or we didn't do something because everybody thought the other person was doing it and now we're behind, right? So it's always good practice for a variety of different reasons just to use that email function as a follow-up, as a record to, to track what went on in verbal conversations. And the last one is double check, triple check, be thorough. Be thorough. When you are creating whatever deliverables you're creating, if you're sending emails, if you're attaching attachments, be thorough in double checking what it is you're sending or handing in or printing, making sure that it's the right thing. Make sure that it's whatever attachment you meant to send before you hit send. Make sure that you are checking your punctuation and your spell check and your grammar and all of these things. Make sure that it is the right deliverable for the right client or the right project or the right supervisor, whomever it may be. But double and triple check all of your deliverables or emails before finalizing them. It saves a lot of time in rework. It saves a lot of uh, face, if you will, if you have to backtrack having sent the wrong client or the wrong supervisor an email or a document meant for somebody else that they were or were not supposed to see right? It just demonstrates a level of professionalism that you are paying attention to details. Every once in a while, mistakes happen. I get that. But the less you can make sure that happens, the better. You want to minimize those mistakes happen activities. And the more you are paying attention and are dialed in and double checking what it is that you're doing, the easier it will be to make sure that you can avoid those professional mishaps. And Again, all of these things, all of these habits to be doing, I look at this as a collective of little things that we can do on a day-to-day basis. Most of them are really simple. They're, they're very easy to do once they become habit, and they can really save you from bigger blunders or collections of blunders in your career. Trying to advance in your career make a a name for yourself through your personal branding and demonstrating your integrity and your responsibility and your work ethic, trying to build relationships with your supervisor and your staff and your colleagues. All of those things take a lot of time and effort and 
they're so important to our success, but taken at the higher level, it seems like so many different things having to be done. But there are really a lot of little things like these 10 habits that you can be doing on a day-to-day basis that will have significant impact in how you present yourself as a professional. So I hope you find these helpful. If you have any habits that you use on a day-to-day basis that you're finding are really good to keep you on the straight and narrow in your career, I'd love to hear about them. Stop on over to Not Your Ordinary Girl and drop me an email. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. So thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one.